Section 18 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 12, Part 2 The Wiles of Rabascarat. But she panted and gasped, shorter and shorter gasps, pointing with one finger to her feet. Then he took the warm living heart while it yet leapt and quivered and sobbed, and he held it with a trembling hand and tied it by the red twines of silk about it to her feet, staining their whiteness. When that was done, his whole soul melted with pity and swelled with sorrow, and ere he could meet her eyes, a swoon overcame him. Surely when the world dawned to him a third time in those regions, the damsel was no longer there, but in her place the lily of light. He thought, it was a vision, that damsel, a terrible one, one to terrify and bewilder, a bitter sweetness. Oh, the heart, the heart! Reflecting on the heart brought to his lids an overcharging of tears, and he wept violently a while. Then was he warned by the thought of his betrothed to take the lily and speed with it from the realms of Rabscrat, and he stole along the halls of the palace, and by the plashing fountains, and across the magic courts, passing chambers of sleepers, fair dreamers, and through ante-rooms crowded with thick-lipped slaves. Lo, as he held the lily to light him on, and the light of the lily fell on them that were asleep. They paled and shrank, and were such as the death-chill maketh of us. So he called upon his head the protection of Allah, and went swifter, to chase from his limbs the shudder of awe. And there were some that slept not, but stared at him with fixed eyes, eyes frozen by the light of the lily. And he shunned those, for they were like spectres haunting spirits. After he had coursed the length of the palace, he came to a steep place outside it, a rock with steps cut in stairs, and up these he went till he came to a small door in the rock, and lying by it a bar. So he seized the bar, and smote the door, and the door shivered, for on his right wrist were the hairs of Garavine. Bending his body, he slipped through the opening, and behold, an orchard dropping with blossoms and ripe golden fruits, streams flowing through it over sands, and brooks bounding above glittering gems, and long dewy grasses, profusion of scented flowers, shade and sweetness. So he let himself down to the ground, which was an easy leap from the aperture, and walked through the garden, holding the lily behind him, for here it darkened all, and the glowing orchard was a desert by its light. Presently his eye fell on a couch swinging between two almond trees, and advancing to it he beheld the black-eyed queen gathered up, folded temptingly, like a swaying fruit. She with the gold circlet on her head, and she was fair as blossom of the almond in a breeze of the wafted rose-leaf. Sweetly was she gathered up, folded temptingly, and Shibli Bagarag refrained from using the lily, thinking, "'Tis like the great things foretold of me, this having of queens within the very grasp, swinging to and fro as if to taunt backwardness. Then he thought, "'Tis an enchantress. I will yet try her.' So he made a motion of flourishing the lily once or twice, but forbore fascinated, for she had on her fair face the softness of sleep, her lips closed in dimples, and the wicked fire shut from beneath her lids. Mastering his mind, the youth at last held the lily to her, and saw a sight to blacken the world, and all bright things with its hideousness. Scarce had he time to thrust the lily in his robes, when the queen started up and clapped her hands, crying hurriedly, "'Abarak! Abarak!' 
and the little man appeared in a moment at the door by which Shebley Bagarag had entered the orchard. So she cried still, Abarak, and he moved toward her. Then she said, How came this youth here, prying in my private walks, my bowers? Speak. He answered, By the aid of Garavine only, O queen, and there is no force resisteth the bar so wielded. Rapsgrat looked under her brows at Shibli Bagarag, and saw the horror on his face, and she cried out to Abarak in an agony, Fetch me the mirror. Then Abarak ran and returned ere the queen had drawn seven impatient breaths, and in one hand he bore a sack, in the other a tray. So he emptied the contents of the sack on the surface of the tray. Surely they were human eyes, and the queen flung aside her tresses and stood over them. The youth saw her smile at them, and assume tender and taunting manners before them, and imperious manners, killing glances, till in each of the eyes there was a sparkle. Then she flung back her head, as one that feedeth on a mighty triumph, exclaiming, Yet I am Rabsgarat, wide is my sovereignty. Sidewise, when she regarded Shibli Bagrag, and it seemed she was urging Abarak to do a deed beyond his powers, he frowning and pointing to the right wrist of the youth, so she clenched her hands an instant with that feeling which knocketh a nail in the coffin of a desire not dead, and controlled herself, and went to the youth, breaking into beams of beauty. And an enchanting sumptuousness breathed round her, so that in spite of himself he suffered her to take him by the hand, and lead him from that orchard through the shivered door, and into the palace and the hall of the jasper pillars. Strange thrills went up his arm from the touch of that queen, and they were as little snakes twisting and darting up, biting poison bites of irritating blissfulness. Now the hall was spread for a feast, and it was hung with lamps of silver, strewn with great golden goblets and viands, colored meats, and ordered fruits on shining platters. Then said she to Shibli Bagrag, O youth, there shall be no deceit, no guile between us. Thou art but my guest, I no bride to thee, so take the place of the guest beside me. He took his seat beside her, Abarak standing by, and she helped the youth to this dish and that dish, from the serving of slaves, caressing him with flattering looks to starve aversion and nourish tender fellowship. And he was like one that slideth down a hill, and can arrest his descent with a foot, yet faileth that free will. When he had eaten and drunk with her, the queen said, O youth, no other than my guest, art thou not a prince in the country thou comest from? In a moment the pride of the barber forsook him, and he equivocated, saying, O queen, there is among the stars somewhere, as was divined by the readers of planets, a crown hanging for me, and I search a point of earth to intercept its fall. She marked him beguiled by vanity, and put sweetmeats to his mouth, exclaiming, Thy manners be those of a prince. Then she sang to him of the loneliness of her life, and of one with whom she wished to share her state, such as he, and at her signal came troops of damsels that stood in rings, and looted swiftly on the same theme, the queen's loneliness, her love. And he said to the queen, Is this so? She answered, Too truly so. Now he thought, She shall at least speak the thing that is, if she look it not. So he took the goblet, and contrived to drop a drop from the phial of Paravid, therein without her observing him, and he handed her the goblet, she him, and they drank, Surely the change that came over the queen was an enchantment, and her eyes shot luster, her tongue was loosed, and she laughed like one intoxicated, lolling in her seat, lost to majesty and the sway of her magic, crying, 
Oh, Abarak, Abarak, little man, long my slave and my tool, ugly little man. And oh, Shibli Bagarag, nephew of the barber, weak youth, small prince of the tackle, have I not nigh fascinated thee? And thou wilt forfeit these two silly eyes of thine to the sack. And oh, Abarak, Abarak, little man, have I flattered thee? So fetter I the strong with my allurements, and I stay the arrow in its flight, and I blunt the barb of high intents. Wah! I have drunk a potent stuff. I talk, walla high. I know there is a danger menacing Shagpat, and the eyes of all genii are fixed on him. And if he be shaved, what changes will follow? But tis in me to delude the barber, walla high, and I will avert the calamity. I will shave Shagpat. While the queen Rabscrap prated in this wise, with flushed face, Shibli Bagarag was smitten with the greatness of his task, and reproached his soul with neglect of it, and he thought, I am powerful by spells as none before me have been, and twas by my weakness the queen sought to tangle me. I will clasp the seventh pillar and make an end of it, by Allah and his prophet, praised be the name, and I will reach Aklis by a short path and shave Shagpat with the sword. So he looked up, and Abarak was before him, the lifted nostrils of the little man wide with the flame of anger. And Abarak said, O youth, regard me with the eyes of judgment. Now is it not frightful to rate me little, an instigation of the evil one to repute me ugly? The promptings of wisdom counseled Shibli Bagarak to say, Frightful beyond contemplation, O Abarak, one to shame our species. Surely there is a moon between thy legs, a pear upon thy shoulders, and the cock that croweth is no match for thee in measure. Abarak cried, We be aggrieved, we two. O youth, son of my uncle, I will give thee means of vengeance. Give thou me means. Shibli Bagrag felt scorn at the queen in her hollowness, and he said, Tis well, take this lily and hold it to her. Now the queen jeered Abarak, and as he approached her she shouted, What, thou small of build, might of creation, sour mixture, Thou puppet of mine, thou, comest thou to seek a second kiss against the compact, knowing that I give not the well-favoured of mortals beyond one a second? Little delayed Abarak at this point to put her to the test of the lily, and he held the flower to her, and saw the sight, and staggered back like one stricken with a shaft. When he could get a breath he uttered such a howl that Rabscarat in her drunkenness was fain to save her ears, and the hall echoed as with the bellows of a thousand beasts of the forest. Then to glut his revenge he ran for the sack, and emptied the contents of it, the queen's mirror before her, and the sack full of eyes. They saw the sight and sickened, rolling their whites. That done, Abarak gave Shibli Bagarag the bar of iron, and bade him smite the pillars, all save the seventh, and he smote them strengthily, crumbling them at a blow, and bringing down the great hall in its groves and glasses and gems, Lamps, traceries, devices, a heap of ruin, the seventh pillar alone standing. Then, while he pumped back breath into his body, Abarak said, There's no delaying in this place now, O youth. Say, halt thou spells for the entering of Achilles? He answered, Three. Then said Abarak, Tis well. Surely now, if thou takest me in thy service, I'll help thee to master the event, and serve thee faithfully, requiring naught from thee save a sight of the event, and tis I that myself missed one, wild by Rabsgrat. Quoth Shibli Bagarag, Thou? He answered, No word of it now, is to greed? So Shibli Bagarag cried, Even so. Thereupon the twain entered the pillar, 
leaving Rabscrap prone, and the waves of the sea bounding toward her where she lay. Now they descended and ascended flights of slippering steps, and sped together along murky passages, in which light never was, and under arches of caves with hanging crystals, groping and tumbling on hurriedly, till they came to an obstruction, and felt an iron door, frosty to the touch. Then Abarak said to Shibli Bagarag, Smite! And the youth lifted the bar to his right shoulder and smote, and the door obeyed the blow, and discovered an opening into a strange dusky land, as it seemed a valley, on one side of which was a ragged copper sun setting low, large as a warrior's battered shield, giving deep red lights to a brook that fell, and over a flat stream a red reflection, and to the sides of the hills a dark red glow. The sky was a brown color, the earth a deeper brown, like the skins of tawny lions. Trees with reddened stems stood about the valley, scattered and in groups, showing between their leaves the cheeks of melancholy fruits, swarthily tinged, and toward the center of the valley a shining palace was visible, supported by massive columns of marble, reddened by that copper sun. Shibli Bagrag was awed at the stillness that hung everywhere, and said to Abarak, Where am I, O Abarak? The look of this place is fearful. And the little man answered, Where but beneath the mountains in Aklis? Wallahi, I should know it, I that keep the passage of the seventh pillar. Then the thought of his betrothed, Norna, and her beauty, and the words, Remember the seventh pillar, struck the heart of Shibli Bagrag, and he exclaimed passionately, Is she in safety, Norna, my companion, my betrothed, netted by thee, O Abarak? Abarak answered sharply, Speak not of betrothals in this place, or the sword of Achilles will move without a hand. But Shibli Bagrag waxed the color of the sun that was over them, and cried, by Allah, I will spite thee with the bar, if thou swear not to her safety, and point not out to me where she is now. Then said Abarak, Thou wilt make a better use of the bar by lifting it to my shoulder and poising it, and peering through it. Shibli Bagarag lifted the bar to the shoulder of Abarak, and poised it, and peered through the length of it, and lo, there was a sea tossing in tumult, and one pillar standing erect in the midst of the sea, and on the pillar, above the washing waves, with hair blown back and flapping raiment, pale but smiling still, Norna his betrothed. Now when he saw her, he made a rush to the door of the passage, but Abarak blocked the way, crying, Fool, a step backward in Aklis is death. And when he had wrestled with him and reined him, Abarak said, Haste to reach the sword from the sons of Aklis, if thou wouldst save her. He drew him to the brink of the stream, and whistled a parrot's whistle and Shibli Bagrag beheld a boat draped with drooping white lotuses that floated slowly toward them, and when it was near, he and Abarak entered it, and saw one, a veiled figure, sitting in the stern, who neither moved to them nor spake, but steered the boat to a certain point of land across the stream, where stood an elephant, ready girt for travellers to mount him, and the elephant kneeled among the reeds as they approached, that they might mount him, and when they had each taken a seat, moved off, waving his trunk." Presently the elephant came to a halt, and went upon his knees again, and the two slid off his back, and were among black slaves that bowed to the ground before them, and led them to the shining gates of the palace in silence. Now on the first marble step of the palace there sat an old, white-headed man dressed like a dervish, who held out at arm's length a branch of gold, with golden singing birds between its leaves, saying, This for the strongest of ye. Abarak exclaimed, I am that one, and he held forth his hand for the branch. 
But Shibli Bagarag cried, Nay, tis mine, wallah high. What has not the strength of this hand overthrown? Then the brows of Abarak twisted, his limbs twitched, and he bawled, To the proof! Waking all the echoes of Aklis, Shibli Bagarag was tempted in his desire for the golden branch to lift the iron bar upon Abarak, when, lo, the file of Paravid fell from his vest, and he took it, and sprinkled a portion of the waters over the singing birds, and in a moment they burst into a sweet union of voices, singing in the words of the poet, When for one serpent were two asses match, how shall one foe but with wiles master double? So let the strong keep for ever good watch, lest their strength prove a snare and themselves a mere bubble. For vanity maketh the strongest most weak, as lions and men totter after the struggle. Ye heroes be modest, while combat ye seek. The cunning one trippeth, ye both with a juggle. Now at this verse of the birds, Shibli Bagarag fixed his eyes on the old man, and the beard of the old man shriveled. He waxed in size, and flew up in a blaze, and with a baffled shout, bearing the branch. Surely his features were those of Karaz, and Shibli Bagarag knew him by the length of his limbs, his stiff ears and copper skin. Then he laughed a loud laugh, but Abarak sobbed, saying, By this know I that I never should have seized the sword, even though I had vanquished the illusions of Rapscrat, which held me fast halfway. So Shibli Bagrag stared at him and said, Wert thou also a searcher, O Abarak? But Abarak cried, Rouse not the talkative tongue of the past, O youth, Wallahai, relinquish the bar that is my bar, won by me, for the sword is within thy grip, and they await thee up yonder steps. Go, go, and look for me here on thy return. End of part two of chapter twelve.